Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. And if you find this podcast helpful in your theological rehabilitation, consider partnering with us in its production. Become a financial sponsor of That's What She Said on Patreon, a platform for supporting content you love. Thanks! Our gospel reading tonight picks up from where we left off last Sunday night. You might remember we left them in a boat in the middle of the sea. They were headed to the other side, but they hadn't made it there yet. The story that we're going to read tonight about their landing on the other side, we don't usually read in Matthew's version. This story shares source material with Mark's telling from Mark chapter 5 and Luke's version in Luke chapter 8. And Mark and Luke tell the version of the story that is more familiar to us. Jesus crosses to the other side of the Sea of Galilee into Gentile territory called the Gerasenes, where absolutely no one is waiting for a Messiah or expecting God to intervene in history. And there he encounters a man possessed by demons, lots of them, so many altogether that they're called legion. This man is not in his right mind. He's a threat to his family and to his neighbors. He is naked and exiled to the cemetery where they have tried to chain him up, but he's too strong to stay bound. He howls and self-harms. Matthew's version is a little different. He knows a different place name for the other side of the sea. Gadarenes, he calls it, instead of Gerasenes. And, weirdly, he doubles the number of tormented victims from one to two. It's a Matthew thing. If Jesus heals one blind man in Mark, he heals two of them in Matthew. And we could talk about why Matthew does that, but it would take a lot of our time tonight. And in my judgment, it wouldn't help us very much with our principal question about the authority of Jesus and the astounded reaction he receives from those who hear his teaching. So we won't. (laughs) I'm just going to read the story the way Matthew has it of Jesus and the two Gadarene demoniacs. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 28. When he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demoniacs coming out of the tombs met him. They were so fierce that no one could pass that way. Suddenly they shouted, What have you to do with us, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now, a large herd of swine was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, If you cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. And Jesus said to them, Go. So they came out and entered the swine, and suddenly the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water. The swine herds ran off, And on going into the town, they told the whole story about what had happened to the demoniacs. Then the whole town came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their neighborhood. 
And after getting into a boat, he crossed the sea and came to his own town. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Of all the capacities Jesus has to do extraordinary things in people's lives, the one I'm most jealous of is exorcism. Jesus, the exorcist, can engage a person who is completely overtaken by forces beyond their control and with as little as one syllable. And he said to them, go. He can send the toxic, tyrannical, terrifying monsters back to hell where they came from, thereby liberating the human being who formerly was chained to their oppressor. I'm not saying that I've encountered supernatural head-spinning forces like in the movies or in this story from the Gospels, but I have definitely witnessed people disappearing into addictions to pills or porn or power people drowning in drinking or domestic violence or despair, people caught in their craving for approval or affection or an insatiable need to be needed or punished or both. As with a lot of things Jesus accomplished with astonishing speed and power because he was the son of God and because he was in a hurry, I think it's probably true that the body of Christ now, that's us, is supposed to do the same things he did, only at a much slower pace and with a lot less shazam. Helping people get free from whatever binds them is something we can do if we take the time to actually know each other in that real relationship, no bullshit ever way, and help each other through the very hardest roads a human being can travel. Liberation from addiction requires love, I'm saying, and love is a long game. As always, though, when I read this story from any of the Gospels, my interest in the liberated man or men and all those drowned pigs is eclipsed by something Matthew, Mark, and Luke all agree on, that when the people in town hear about what has happened down on the shore, they drop what they're doing, come out to meet Jesus, and beg him to go away. As I pointed out last week, that's not the usual response to Jesus in Matthew's gospel. Mostly what happens is he performs a miracle or two over here and another one or two over there. And before you know it, there are great crowds swarming him, asking for more of the same, more healing, more forgiveness, more food, and yes, more exorcism. The needs of the human family were as bottomless then as they are now. Even the Son of God, according to the Gospels, cannot pour in enough goodness to fill them all up. But over there, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, the Gadarenes just want him to go away. It's a pretty good guess that their upset is fueled, at least in part, by the destruction of the swine. 
that was a whole industry right there, rushing down that steep bank into the sea. The investors who owned the herd, the employees who herded the herd, the pork processors who turned it into bacon when the time was right, Jesus had seriously disrupted their supply chain and tanked their investment and cost them jobs. It's about the money, I'm saying. And so what if it's the best day ever for the newly liberated guys who now get to go home to their families? The economy of the Gadarenes has taken a serious hit, and they want no more of that. I wonder, though, if there's not something deeper than a momentary upset in the pork belly market, raising their ire. There is a theory in the social psychology of family systems that groups of people in relationship with each other settle into specific roles. And those roles kind of balance each other out. And as long as everyone in the system, in the family, in the church, maybe in a gathering village, keeps playing that role, sticks to the script, as it were, the system rocks along just fine. But in family systems theory, if someone breaks free of their role, like doing improv in the middle of a performance of Hamlet, it upsets everything. Because in a family system, everyone's connected. Everyone's in dialogue with everyone else, acting and reacting in relation to each other so that to some extent, I am who I am in relation to who you are. And I do what I do in relation to what you do and vice versa. Even if, and this is the weird part, Even if the person stepping out of their role is doing something healthy or virtuous or beautiful, it can be very upsetting for the family system because the script changes for everybody in the system when one person breaks free. If the addict in the family gets clean or if the stay-at-home mom goes to grad school, or if the sour teenager is suddenly a lovely adult, or if someone's long journey through therapy renders mental health and emotional stability. Everyone around the changed person has to adjust to a new narrative, new roles. More familiar to just about everybody gathered here, when someone in the family comes out, Often after a long internal struggle and all the emotional volatility that comes with that struggle, it is liberating and lovely for the queer person whose life is about to begin. But it throws the family system all out of whack, all out of equilibrium. Everybody needing to renegotiate role and relationship because there is suddenly more of that person in the system, a beautiful human being flourishing in the fullness of who God created them to be, and some families just can't take that. They don't want it. They don't want to do the work it will take to figure out how and who to be in relation to one another now. And so they insist that it cannot be this way. You cannot be this way. And so the Gadarenes, the whole damn town, 
Matthew says. Hustle down to the docks to tell Jesus his passport is no good here. It's not exactly the no room at the Bethlehem Inn situation of his nativity, but he doesn't try to fight the lack of hospitality. Mostly, Jesus won't go where he's not wanted. He's content to ease on down the road or, you know, back across the sea to his own home. Perhaps you are aware that as of this year, 2023, 20 state legislatures in U.S. America have passed bans on gender-affirming health care for minors. Another seven states have such laws in the legislative pipeline. That's over half the country saying to trans and gender-diverse kids, you cannot be this way, including places where Galileo Church has co-conspirators, Arizona, Alabama, Indiana, North Carolina, including, of course, Texas, where we estimate that there are nearly 30,000 trans kids under the care of physicians and PAs, endocrinologists, and other specialists who are, right now, losing access to their lifeline for growing into the person they know they are supposed to be. 30,000 trans kids ages 13 to 17 in Texas alone, which is almost a third of all trans kids in the United States. Almost a third of all trans kids in the United States live here in Texas where their health care will be illegal as of September 1st, where physicians, Pharmacists and clinics have already begun shutting down gender-affirming care and turning their patients away. The social system, so some have decided, cannot bear the shift, cannot adjust to receive the health and beauty of a person getting liberated from gender dysphoria and oppressive gender roles and ridiculously rigid gender expressions. Terrified somehow of how someone else's discovery of their very best self will cost them their own sense of self, their own sense of how all of us fit together all of us remaining in our roles, even if it kills some of us to stay there. You cannot be this way, they say. And so they make it necessary for kids who need hormonal adjustments to survive their adolescence and make it to adulthood to cross to the other side, to find a doctor in a state that says their health is legal. As in the story of Jesus and the Gadarenes, there is an economic component at work as well. It is expensive to travel for health care. Think about taking someone you love for a doctor's visit, waiting for lab work to come back, filling a prescription finally, all of it out of network, all of it longer than a day's travel away. All that gas all those meals, a motel, an Airbnb, a campground, the lost wages 
from two or three days of work once the parent's PTO has run out. Getting healthcare worked out for routine matters in your own hometown is complicated enough. Can I get an amen? Getting specialized care out of state because it's illegal where you live is a logistical and financial nightmare. So here's what we're going to do, church. Because love is a long game, and we've got time, and because it doesn't take a lot of shazam to work this out. It just takes money, and that doesn't require any miracle at all except the miracle of asking and receiving. Galileo Church is right now organizing the North Texas Transportation Network, TRANS in all caps, lest anybody miss the point. The stated mission of the NTTN is to provide financial grants to North Texas families traveling out of state for gender-affirming health care for their minor child. We are going to give flat grants of $1,000 up to twice a year to the families of 19 North Texas counties who have to make these health care journeys for their kids' sake. We have announced our intention to over 60 nonprofit orgs and faith communities who are friends of ours from these 10 years of doing justice for LGBTQ people. And we have received nothing but positive feedback. Indeed, everyone we ask about it says some variation of, how soon can you make this happen? We have consulted attorneys and CPAs to make sure we do it right. We are forming a steering committee to do the work. We are depending on all the friends we've made over all the years that we've been co-conspiring for justice to help us get the word out so that no family of a trans kid in North Texas will be unaware of this gift. Last Wednesday, the Missional Logistics team, remember those folks, of Galileo Church, agreed by consensus to launch the NTTN and to allocate $1,500 for the startup costs, website, phone, printing, etc. And the MLT agreed further by consensus to seed the fund with $10,000 of our money. Money that you have earned, money that you have shared because your missional priorities align with those of your church. Now, I hope you don't think it's gauche that I'm talking about dollars here, because dollars are real. They are real expressions of your labor, the sweat of your brow or your spirit, or both, and because dollars can be real expressions of compassion and justice, and because the gospel text for today invites reflection on the economic realities of Jesus' presence among us. And so here is more news from the swirl of the gospel and economics. The North Texas Transportation Network, which does not yet even have a bank account to receive it, has pledges of $75,000 in addition to what Galileo Church has promised. Before we even really asked... I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the spirit of the living Christ moves money sometimes. Demons can send your livelihood over a cliff, 
the Holy Spirit can inspire generosity beyond our capacity to ask or imagine. But I'm going to be bold to ask tonight for three things from each of you. First, I'm asking for your prayers, and I mean it, however you do that. Let your mind and spirit wander over this idea in the presence of God. Seek inspiration for how we might accomplish what we have set out to do here. Ask God's protection for these kids and their families. See if you can dream what God is dreaming so that God gets a little more of what God wants. Second, I am wondering if any of you have the specialized skills that we need to start this work. We need some businessy, numbery, spreadsheety people. We need some communications people who can help us organize a campaign to get the word out safely and effectively. We need some logistics people to help us fine-tune the process that we have sketched out broadly. We need some policy wonks to help us put best practices in place for stewarding this much money for however long it takes. If you see yourself in any of that work, please raise your hand, not literally, but in an email. Email is my love language. I know you know. Tell me what you know how to do, and let's get to work. Third, I am thinking that most of us are not ourselves big money people. If you are, you've been keeping that a good secret. But I am thinking that lots of us know big money people, or we know someone who knows someone. I'm asking you to think through your relational network. How many degrees of separation are there between you and someone who might want to support the North Texas Transportation Network with a donation? Make a list. I'm not kidding. Ask your friends. All the dollars we need to make this work are out there. We just have to figure out where. Prayers, skills, money. That's it. That's what it takes to disrupt the system Jesus style. And to trans and gender diverse kids and your families in here and out there, hear this. It is a real cruelty to be told that you cannot be who you are here. It is a real cruelty to be pushed across state lines in order to keep existing. If it is any consolation, they made Jesus leave too. So you are in good company crossing over to the other side. And here's a whole bunch of Jesus' friends who are ready to help you row that boat. We will get you there. With God's help, we will. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. 
If what you've heard is helpful, consider becoming a patron of its production by joining our subscribers on Patreon. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and support the people who love them. We do kindness around mental health and mental illness, and we celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support our missional priorities, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Share With Us. You'll have options to contribute through Venmo, PayPal, or your bank account. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace. Peace.